Chapter Twenty Five of A Hazard of New Fortunes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. March went away thinking of what Lindau had said, but not for the impersonal significance of his words so much as for the light they cast upon Lindau himself. He thought the words violent enough, but in connection with what he remembered of the cheery, poetic, hopeful idealist, they were even more curious than lamentable. In his own life of comfortable reverie he had never heard any one talk so before, but he had read something of the kind now and then in blatant labour newspapers which he had accidentally fallen in with, and once at a strikers' meeting he had heard rich people denounced with the same frenzy. He had made his own reflections upon the tastelessness of the rhetoric and the obvious bunkum of the motive, and he had not taken the matter seriously. He could not doubt Lindau's sincerity, and he wondered how he came to that way of thinking. From his experience of himself, he accounted for a prevailing literary quality in it. He decided it to be from Lindau's reading and feeling, rather than his reflection. That was the notion he formed of some things he had met with in Ruskin to much the same effect. He regarded them with amusement, as the chimeras of a rhetorician run away with by his phrases. But as to Lindau, the chief thing in his mind was a conception of the droll irony of a situation in which so fervid a hater of millionaires should be working, indirectly at least, for the prosperity of a man like Dreyfus, who, as March understood, had got his money together out of every gambler's chance in speculation, and all a schemer's thrift from the error and need of others. The situation was not more incongruous, however, than all the rest of the every-other-week affair. It seemed to him that there were no crazy fortuities that had not tended to its existence, and as time went on, and the day drew near for the issue of the first number, the sense of this intensified till the whole lost at moments the quality of a waking fact, and came to be rather a fantastic fiction of sleep. Yet the heterogeneous forces did cooperate to a reality which March could not deny, at least in their presence, and the first number was representative of all their nebulous intentions in a tangible form. As a result, it was so respectable that March began to respect these intentions, began to respect himself for combining and embodying them in the volume which appealed to him with a novel fascination when the first advance copy was laid upon his desk every detail of it was tiresomely familiar already but the whole had a fresh interest now he now saw how extremely fit and effective miss leighton's decorative design for the cover was printed in black and brick red on the delicate grey tone of the paper it was at once attractive and refined and he credited beaton with quite all he merited in working it over to the actual shape the touch and the taste of the art editor were present throughout the number as Fulkerson said, Beaton had caught on with the delicacy of a hummingbird and the tenacity of a bulldog to the virtues of their illustrative process, and had worked it for all it was worth. There were seven papers in the number, and a poem on the last page of the cover, and he had found some graphic comment for each. It was a larger proportion than would afterward be allowed, but for once in a way it was allowed. Fulkerson said they could not expect to get their money back on that first number anyway. Seven of the illustrations were Beaton's, two or three he got from practiced hands, 
the rest were the work of unknown people which he had suggested and then related and adapted with unfailing ingenuity to the different papers he handled the illustrations with such sympathy as not to destroy their individual quality and that indefinable charm which comes from good amateur work in whatever art he rescued them from their weaknesses and errors while he left in them the evidence of the pleasure with which a clever young man or a sensitive girl or a refined woman had done them inevitably from his manipulation however the art of the number acquired homogeneity and there was nothing casual in its appearance the result march eagerly owned was better than the literary result and he foresaw that the number would be sold and praised chiefly for its pictures yet he was not ashamed of the literature and he indulged his admiration of it the more freely because he had not only not written it but in a way had not edited it to be sure he had chosen all the material but he had not voluntarily put it all together for that number it had largely put itself together as every number of every magazine does and as it seems more and more to do in the experience of every editor there had to be of course a story and then a sketch of travel there was a literary essay and a social essay there was a dramatic trifle very gay very light there was a dashing criticism on the new pictures the new plays the new books the new fashions and then there was the translation of a bit of vivid russian realism which the editor owed to lindau's exploration of the foreign periodicals left with him lindau was himself a romanticist of the victor hugo sort but he said this fragment of dostoevsky was good of its kind the poem was a bit of society verse with a backward look into simpler and wholesomer experiences fulkerson was extremely proud of the number but he said it was too good too good from every point of view the cover was too good and the paper was too good and that device of rough edges which got over the objection to uncut leaves while it secured their aesthetic effect was a thing that he trembled for though he rejoiced in it as a stroke of the highest genius it had come from beaton at the last moment as a compromise when the problem of the vulgar croppiness of cut leaves and the unpopularity of uncut leaves seemed to have no solution but suicide fulkerson was still morally crawling round on his hands and knees as he said in abject gratitude at beaton's feet though he had his qualms his questions and he declared that beaton was the most inspired ass since balaam's we're all asses of course he admitted in semi-apology to march but we're no such asses as beaton he said that if the tasteful decorativeness of the thing did not kill it with the public outright its literary excellence would give it the finishing stroke perhaps that might be overlooked in the impression of novelty which a first number would give but it must never happen again he implored march to promise that it should never happen again he said their only hope was in the immediate cheapening of the whole affair it was bad enough to give the public too much quantity for their money but to throw in such quality as that was simply ruinous it must be stopped these were the expressions of his intimate moods every front that he presented to the public wore a glow of lofty of devout exultation his pride in the number gushed out in fresh bursts of rhetoric to every one whom he could get to talk with him about it 
he worked the personal kindliness of the press to the utmost he did not mind making himself ridiculous or becoming a joke in the good cause as he called it he joined in the applause when a humorist at the club feigned to drop dead from his chair at fulkerson's introduction of the topic and he went on talking that first number into the surviving spectators he stood treat upon all occasions and he lunched attaches of the press at all hours he especially befriended the correspondents of the newspapers of other cities for as he explained to march those fellows could give him any amount of advertising simply as literary gossip many of the fellows were ladies who could not be so summarily asked out to lunch but fulkerson's ingenuity was equal to every exigency and he contrived somehow to make each of these feel that she had been possessed of exclusive information there was a moment when march conjectured a willingness in fulkerson to work mrs march into the advertising department by means of a tea to these ladies and their friends which she should administer in his apartment but he did not encourage fulkerson to be explicit and the moment passed afterward when he told his wife about it he was astonished to find that she would not have minded doing it for fulkerson and he experienced another proof of the bluntness of the feminine instincts in some directions and of the personal favour which fulkerson seemed to enjoy with the whole sex this alone was enough to account for the willingness of these correspondents to write about the first number but march accused him of sending it to their addresses with boxes of jacqueminot roses and heiler candy fulkerson let him enjoy his joke he said that he would do that or anything else for the good cause short of marrying the whole circle of female correspondents march was inclined to hope that if the first number had been made too good for the country at large the more enlightened taste of metropolitan journalism would invite a compensating favour for it in new york but first fulkerson and then the event proved him wrong in spite of the quality of the magazine and in spite of the kindness which so many newspaper men felt for fulkerson the notices in the new york papers seemed grudging and provisional to the ardour of the editor a merit in the work was acknowledged and certain defects in it for which march had trembled were ignored but the critics astonished him by selecting for censure points which he was either proud of or had never noticed which being now brought to his notice he still could not feel were false he owned to fulkerson that if they had said so and so against it he could have agreed with them but that to say thus and so was preposterous and that if the advertising had not been adjusted with such generous recognition of the claims of the different papers he should have known the counting-room was at the bottom of it as it was he could only attribute it to perverse stupidity it was certainly stupid to condemn a magazine novelty like every other week for being novel and to augur that if it failed it would fail through its departure from the lines on which all the other prosperous magazines had been built was in the last degree perverse and it looked malicious the fact that it was neither exactly a book nor a magazine ought to be for it and not against it since it would invade no other field it would prosper on no ground but its own End of chapter twenty five